It is Sunday morning, and welcome to Spotlight on Maryland, as hosted by me, Liz Drabeck. Joining me this morning is Weekend Backpacks board member, Barbara Spector. Barbara, good morning. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm great, Liz. Thank you for inviting me. I'm thrilled to have you, and I'm really thrilled to talk about your upcoming events. They sound just fascinating, but let's start, Barbara. What is Weekend Backpacks, and what do they do? Well, Weekend Backpacks is a uh, an organization that uh, provides food for children who don't have enough food um, over the weekends. We know that there are school programs uh, for children during the week, but a lot of them uh, go home and are pretty hungry, and they don't live in a food desert, so they are with family members. So Weekend Backpacks provides 18 meals or the equivalent of 18 meals every Friday for these children so that we can feed three uh, kids six meals to get them through the weekend so that they have some nutrition and, um, you know, can go about their business. I have some specific questions, but Barbara, let me ask you, where did the idea from Weekend Backpacks come from? Sandy Nago. Uh in 2005, Sandy uh, heard about uh, this this need. There are a lot of homeless kids in Baltimore City, and there were kids who just didn't have enough to eat. And she uh, was very concerned, of course, and um, she went home, and she and her husband, Fred, packed, uh, I can't remember, 18 bags of food on her dining room table. And it got started. There was a there was a need. There was more interest. There were uh, principals and other people in the community asking for uh, her to provide more food. And she started corralling all the volunteers that she could find. And now we're packing um, over a thousand bags of food per week uh, with over three hundred volunteers. Oh wow! So it's literally a homemade organization, and it's grassroots. Based- yeah, and it's based in Pikesville, correct? It is, it is. And the you know, going into our uh, headquarters, we call it, you can, any visit to our uh, facility uh, will soon um, make people realize that we're not spending any of our donation money on our facility. <laughs> we're, a very, we're a very streamlined organization, and we're very focused on putting everything into feeding the kids. So, yes, we're in, we're in Pikesville. We have a storefront, and we have uh, folding tables and packing bags, and we were lucky enough to get some uh, storage space next door. So that this past uh, year, we've been able to leverage our buying power and buy larger quantities of non-perishables. And, um, yeah, we're, we're cooking. There's a lot of activity there. Yeah. Where does the food come from, Barbara? I'm curious. Well, we have some fabulous partners. Uh, I have to say the Maryland Food Bank has been incredible, and we've gotten some really wonderful uh, grants from them this year that have provided us with uh, not only really economical food, but, um, you know, some some donations. We also um, leverage relationships with a variety of different uh, retailers, who give us amazing prices. We have the best shoppers. We are very, very efficient in our purchasing. 
Um, we clip coupons. <laughs> we, um, I mean, early earlier on, before we were turning out this kind of volume, uh, some of our board members were showing up with their hatchbacks and their SUVs and just, um, you know, filling, filling their cars with cans of food from uh, the giant ShopRite and, you know, other, other retailers. But there are a variety of retailers who have been um, very kind, very helpful, and um, let us know when they're having special sales. And we just, we just shop. We just shop around to get the best prices we can get. And that dovetails perfectly into my next question. After you do the shopping, Barbara, who delivers it to the children? We do. Our volunteers do. Well, we actually, this, this past year has been really challenging during COVID-19 because we don't, we haven't had school in session. So ordinarily when school is in session as it is again now, we uh, deliver with our volunteers. So we pack during the week. We used to only pack on Thursdays, but during COVID, we've had to divide our packing into much smaller groups to maintain uh, safe procedures and safety for all. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry for almost interrupting. I will have a thousand questions about how you guys adjusted during the pandemic. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> save some of it then. Okay. So, um, we, we, you know, during the regular school year, what we do is we pack and everything gets loaded into our volunteers' cars. They just line up and we have volunteers who just put it in their trunks and then they drive to the schools on Friday morning and um, deliver to community coordinators. The schools have uh, community coordinators on staff. And the communicate the the community coordinators distribute it to the children. The, they ha- are very helpful in terms of helping us identify which children are going to need food, and then the kids take it home in their backpacks. How- I'd like to ask a, a really it might seem to you an obvious question: How do you identify kids that need food? Well, the, we the, we we count on the schools to do that. For okay. Us. Okay. So uh, we actually, curious. yeah, we actually have a waiting list. You know, we we identify the kids as being quote unquote homeless, but quote unquote homeless doesn't necessarily mean they're living on the street. They could be living with relatives. Uh, they could be moving constantly. Homeless really means that the kids don't have a permanent location, a permanent address, and the schools are pretty aware through the teachers and the guidance counselors. Um, and the community coordinators, what's happening in these children's lives. And what I'm getting fascinated by here, Barbara, is the infrastructure. Like what started off as 18 brown bags, which is what I'm picturing in my head, has now turned into a community-wide organization. Can you talk about the growth and seeing the need for growth and how you had to develop along the way? Well, sure. There's there are just amazing number of people in the community who want to help and and want to do things. And Sandy Nagel, our founder, has been one of those people who's an amazing connector. And we originally started out with um, some uh, some religious organizations, and we still do have religious organizations, uh, Baltimore Hebrew. Uh, is one of them, and the Greek Orthodox Church is another one that actually has packing sessions for us. And uh, they just mobilized. They just put it, put the word out that we were looking for people to help. And we have 
a lot of volunteers that, that offer, and it's really just been a logistic matter for us in terms of getting enough food, storing enough food, having enough workspace, you know, and then, of course, this year, which we'll talk about, you know, those, those challenges. But, yes, there are, there's, a, there's a huge need. I don't think that any one organization, honestly, can, can alone address the food insecurity in this country and, and in this area. But we just do our best. What types of food do you provide to the children? Good food. <laughs> every, every, we really, we really focus on nutrition. And, you know, the part, part of the premise for our entire organization is that children cannot learn if they're not properly nourished. So we want to make sure that they have protein, fresh fruit, beans, whole grain, and we make sure that every week our, our backpacks are filled with that. You mentioned the children can't learn if they're not properly nourished. Can you talk about the emotional or perhaps developmental impact on children suffering food insecurity? You know, I I wish I could. I don't really know. Uh, I can't cite specific studies. Certainly, if a child, I had some personal experiences working with reading partners two years ago uh, in Baltimore City, and I know that I had a lot of trouble with uh, my my student personally in terms of his attention being, um, you know, diverted by being hungry. And when I came in to read with him and to work with him uh, every week, the first thing we needed to do was to go downstairs to the cafeteria and get him some food because he was literally starving. And, you know, I don't, I, I know that there are a lot of really good studies out there and I wish I could cite them specifically, but obviously if a child is hungry and and distracted on um, by you know hunger pains and feeling ill it's just really hard for them to focus on anything else your slice of life answer is completely illuminating and that's just it's hard to hear almost barbara how did you get involved with weekend backpacks well through another organization actually I'm a member of the Baltimore Women's Giving Circle, which is under the umbrella of the Baltimore Community Foundation, and we um, fund a lot of organizations uh, every year, and we also we select our grantees and monitor our grantees, and I was on the post-grants committee, and Weekend Backpacks was my grantee to follow. We were giving them money, and our responsibility is to make sure that they are getting all the other assistance that they need. And I went to uh, Weekend Backpacks and met with Sandy Nagel, and I needed to see the operation and chat with her. And five minutes into the room, and I was volunteering to help. It's just such an it's such a great organization and and such a compelling need. And I have to say, I don't think I've ever worked with as enthusiastic a group of of volunteers. It's just, it's very contagious. It's very collegial. People are really excited about being there. And I think that most of us that volunteer for weekend backpacks feel that it gives us as much, if not more, than we could ever give to them. 
And the spirit of volunteerism that I'm hearing from you, Barbara, like that is almost infectious. So for you, who's even closer to the organization, I can only imagine just how much more, you know, like involved you, <laughs> you obviously sure. automatically became. Sure. Well, Liz, I think you can relate to this. All of us, you know, read newspaper articles, we watch videos, and we see how much need there is out there. And we all feel that we wish that we could do something, and it's daunting. It's really a huge, there are so many huge social problems that we feel that we'd like to address. And it's, it's just such a wonderful feeling to feel that you're actually doing something proactive and you're making a contribution. You have a fundraiser coming up, but before I get into that, how, if someone was listening right now, how could they donate or get involved, Barbara? Go to our website, www.weekendbackpacks.org. And when you get to the home page, there's a donate button. It's <laughs> <laughs> that easy. <laughs> Just click on that donate button and there you go. You can also <laughs> volunteer. There's a volunteer, um, there's a volunteer tab as well. And if you select that, it will take you to uh, signing up and we will contact you. Let's talk about what a difficult year it's been with the pandemic. What did Weekend Backpacks do and is still doing to adjust? Wow. wow. It was, it, it was incredible. We really, we really didn't know. March 13th, uh, 2020, everything shut down and our schools closed and we didn't know how we were going to manage and um, Alan Taylor, who is uh, a board member, a vice president, and uh, kind of our operations um, guru, had brainstormed with Drew Dettelbach, our president, and other board members, and decided that if we could only have 10 people at a time in our facility packing, we were going to Instead of packing in one large session a week, we were going to divide it into daily packing sessions, and we were going to get people in and out in an hour and have 15 minutes of cleaning up with sanitizer and whatever afterwards, and um, we just did it. People stepped up to the plate, and we started packing every day of the week and in much smaller groups, and really almost all of our volunteers continue to come in and pack for us the uh, entire year. And we, we have not had a problem. And the same thing for the drivers. And then, of course, the schools um, have some amazing personnel and the community coordinators in so many cases ended up driving to kids' um, residences and dropping the food off for them. We also, I don't know whether um, a lot of people know this, but a lot of the schools have food pantries, and we were, and there are also community centers, and so we were able to drop off uh, food for specific families at the community centers, and then also some of it was distributed through the food pantries at the schools. That's remarkable. Anecdotally, did you notice a change, either an increase or decrease, in the amount of children that needed to be provided for and the amount of food provided? I'm curious. Well, yes. I mean, we went from, in, uh, on March 12th, we were packing 600 bags a week, and the following week, we were packing and delivering 1,000 bags of food a week. So, oh, wow. Yes, yes it, it, it really, it increased significantly. It's 
somewhat it's somewhat challenging to really be specific about the numbers every week because every week it's changed. Okay. You know, during during the pandemic, the family situations changed, people's access to being able to get out and to be able to pick things up, and certainly the community coordinator's participation has varied. And we were spotty. We had to check in with the principals every single week and get new numbers for them. You know, where during a regular school year, we would know that we were delivering, let's say, 60 bags to a certain school, uh, Tench Tillman or whatever it might be. All of a sudden, you know, we had to check in every single week because the numbers could vary dramatically. So it was definitely more work for our, um, for our staff well, our volunteers, and we have no staff members. <laughs> and um, But, you know, the, the need was met, and we've just been rolling with it, and it's it's been going beautifully. We've actually, you know, maintained our uh, momentum. You touched on what's been the heart of the matter of the pandemic for so many, and even me personally, uncertainty. So take an uncertain situation, which is food insecurity, and add the heightened uncertainty of a pandemic, and that's that's a torrent of things coming together, Barbara. Sure, sure, sure. And the other thing is that, you know, during during a regular school year, the um, coordinators, the principals, the guidance counselors are getting to see the kids every day and really know what's going on in their families and with them. And during the pandemic, we haven't had that opportunity. And that was my question. What do you see happening? What is happening as kids are coming back to school? Well, the need the need is still great, and um, unfortunately, I can't I can't tell you too much about it because we don't know yet. It's been a very short period of time. Probably in a few months, we'll be able to really give you some perspective on that. Oh, sure. And I feel like so much of this, like when we look back at this time, you know, we'll, we'll get so much in hindsight. Barbara, you have a series of fundraisers coming up. Each is even more exciting. They're all exciting. Uh, but I want to talk about the one uh, with the cupcake decorating. Can you tell me about the cupcake decorating fundraiser? I sure can. We're really excited about it. <laughs> we, have, we have Jason Hisley, who is a... Uh, really national star. He's he's a he's our local. He's a he's a Marylander. He's from Baltimore, uh, but he has won cake wars and cupcake wars, and he's appeared on lots of television programs. Uh, he has a, a retail facility in Timonium, and he is going to be showing us how to decorate cupcakes. So we have cupcake kits that have been ordered. The registration, unfortunately, is closed right now for the uh, cupcake event. And uh, well, actually, it'll it's it's this it's this morning, isn't it? And, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Jason is going to be uh, broadcasting from his Timonium Bakery, and he's going to be uh, decorating cupcakes with us and showing us how the pros do it. Uh, I would love to know that because I just smack on some icing. Um, and this is Jason of Cake by Jason, correct? Exactly. Yes, and how did definitely. you guys decide to connect with him? He's a legend. <laughs> he's also he's a, he he really is. He's he's a character. He's fun. He's got a lot of personality. He's done amazing work, and he's also very philanthropic. He's 
been he's helped a lot of organizations, and we know how he feels about the community. So he w- he was a natural choice for us. How did you come up with this event? Well, um, we have had a large fundraiser every year. We stopped in 2019 because we didn't get to do our fall 2020 event. In 2019, we had 500 people come to a food event that we had food stations and and called our chef's event, and we had lots of um, chefs participating, and Jason was one of them. And it was like a Halloween for grown-ups. You walked around from one food <laughs> station to another. I mean, really, it was so, so much fun. But once the pandemic hit, there was no way that we could have 500 people assembled, <laughs> walking around, picking food off the tables. So uh, I organized a committee uh, of some wonderful people, and we brainstormed on how we could reimagine our chef's event and so it's, we called this series Chef's Events Reimagined. And we put together four events. Uh, the first one was Mixology 101, and we got two fabulous bartenders because who, who couldn't use a drink by now? And <laughs> the pandemic, definitely, I've had lots of stories uh, from friends of mine who are in food retailing about how alcohol consumption has uh increased dramatically during COVID-19 and so we had we had a really fun um, event where we had two uh, dueling bartenders who were actually great friends broadcast from a restaurant in Colombia and uh, we made drinks and we learned how to infuse vodkas and flavor things and we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, Then this next one is cupcake decorating um, in June, we have a barbecue and brew, and the head chef at Linwoods is going to be teaching us how to make Peruvian chicken, and we're going to do some uh, beer pairings with that. Um, and then finally, uh, we have a artisanal breads with uh, Amy Von Lang at Scola coming up at the end of September. And if everything goes the way we hope it does, we're really excited to have a hybrid where we're actually going to have uh, 12 people in Scola and, you know, in her studio, and then the rest will be broadcast via Zoom. And we're hoping to do something like decorated focaccia with, you know, all sorts of harvest scenes and things like that. And for that event, we're going to be inviting some of our school partners to be participants in the studio. So we are. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say we're really excited because we haven't had the opportunity to be able to really involve our principals, community coordinators before, and we've decided to really focus on this event since we can do it as a hybrid of in-person to be able to bring them into um, working with us on it. Yeah, and what a great way to reconnect because I feel like right now the whole world, Barbara, is all about like social re-emergence. So there's everything's like half Zoom and half in I person. Know <laughs> I know. We've been, I know. I've been talking to my friends and we've been trying to decide what to call it. Like are we, are we reborn? Are we emerging? Maybe emerging especially. Um, yeah, maybe emerging yeah. is the best word. Yeah. To 
And I just think it's darling that it's the chef's event reimagined because here you are, you're taking what had several food stations and busting it down into four courses. Like I love that you you got the drinks, the appetizers, the dessert, the barbecue. We could have used you. We could have used you on our committee because we didn't think about doing it as four courses. But that's a great idea. Let's do that next year. (laughs) That is spectacular. I mean, this is just so creative. And isn't this the year of just? when we're being forced to come up with new ideas and, and you're doing it, not just, and these events sound spectacular standalone, but you're doing it to help children with food insecurity. And Barbara, it sounds like you're having a blast. We are, we have, we have been having fun and, you know, it's really important, I think, to recognize that for, especially for our volunteers, that food isn't just about nourishing the body. It's also about nourishing your soul. And we're really embracing that through these food events. It's really great to be able to celebrate food in addition to providing food. Well, I'm also, I'm nodding. And I'm also just thinking about when the food arrives, like when the volunteers deliver the food to the children, that connection, you know, and even right now, maybe, you know, behind, you know, like there's, it's, you know, to the children's schools or the communities, but the appointment setting aspect of that, I guess, Barbara, is what I'm getting at, that the children Mm -hmm. like have an appointment for their food to arrive and like what a source of stability for them and that you can provide that for them. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's wonderful to know that they're not going to be lying in bed with a stomach ache. Oh, and post pandemic, what do you think weekend backpacks is going to look like, Barbara? Well, <laughs> <laughs> is it too soon I, to say? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, we've, we've been growing consistently. We have had some, uh, wonderful donations and we're actually, um, I'm not sure what our number is right now, but I know we've surpassed 30 schools that we provide food to. And I think that we'll just keep on growing. You know, hopefully our facility will expand and we'll just, we have, we'll keep on getting volunteers and, you know, wonderful um, benefactors. And we, we just want to do as much as we can do. Barbara, with just under a minute left, can you remind us of the website? www.weekendbackpacks.org. And if you forget exactly the URL, you can just uh, put Weekend Backpacks Baltimore in a search engine. And, and, we are, and we're on social media as well. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And if someone gets to the webpage, they can donate from there too, correct? Right. Absolutely. There's a, there's a, large tab right at the top of the uh, header of the masthead that, that says donate. Just click on it. We've been talking to board member, board member Barbara Spector of Weekend Backpacks, which is providing food for the food insecure, the children in our community. Thank you so much for your time, Barbara. We look forward to all of your upcoming virtual fundraising events, especially the one that is today about cupcake decorating, but there's several more in store. The website is weekendbackpacks.org, and I'm Liz Drabick. This has been an Odyssey production.